You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. This morning, we have the great privilege and honor of hearing from Sam Peter. Sam braved her way to the north a few years ago from Florida, where she had come to know Jesus through Chi Alpha at Florida State, but now she's a true hokey, and uh, we're grateful for that. We have just so loved Sam's passion for the prophetic and for prayer, and, and so uh, we just thought it would be so awesome. Um, she's obviously, she is a part of this prayer team and helped pull this whole weekend off, but uh, we thought, what a better way to start than and then hearing from her uh, and what the Lord has put on her heart. And uh, her husband, Drew, uh, also does many things behind the scenes. And if you're in Chi Alpha and you're married, whether you're on staff or not, you are part of the family and probably serve in more ways than anybody will ever know. And so, Drew, grateful for you, buddy. And uh, thank you so much for the Peters, Jesus. We're grateful. Thank you so much. I, um, I'm so grateful for that and uh, so grateful for this opportunity. I definitely don't take it lightly ever to be in a place to preach and teach on God's Word. Um, so I just feel really grateful. Sorry, I'm short. So um, just so grateful, feel really honored, thank- thankful for Anthony and Michelle. I'm grateful for the staff and intern team and just feel really loved and um, supported and, and ultimately too, Um, in this place, like, affirmed and already approved of by the Father. Everyone in this place today, you have already been approved of and affirmed by the Father. He's in this place. Just, like, imagine the Lord looking down um, on this next 72 hours with just delight to be with his kids. Um, So I'm excited for that. Um, And, yes, I did brave the North. (laughs) to move here from uh, Florida, and um, Drew and I both, and um, I wish I had, like, you know, a really cool, prolific illustration, but I'm just going to share a little bit, even just about my heart for prayer and where that started. Um, So when I was 19 years old, the Lord saved my life for eternity. I gave my life to Jesus my sophomore year of college at Florida State University, um, so grateful for the ministry of Chi Alpha there. And um, along with that, I joined a local church, which you should do because it's awesome. And um, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was very shy. I was very nervous. Um, and so I would like say nothing ever. You see me in a worship set, I would never move my arms would just stare into the abyss and look at other people. Probably really weird for them. Um, and I would never... Pray- <laughs> This sounds so bad, but I did not have like a, I didn't really have like a prayer life. I was really new. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And um, I honestly, I would hear people like pray out loud and that would make me really nervous. But I ended up being the youngest member of a newcomers class at my local church by like 20 years tops. And my pastor, my senior pastor, who I'm so grateful for, his name is Larry, Pastor Larry. He forced me to pray in this class. (laughs) He um, simply did this. He was, hey, Sam, open us up in prayer today. And you guys might know me. I'm, kind of, I'm a little bit spicy. Um, and I was way more spicy at 19 
than I am at almost 29. And I looked this man dead in the eyes and said, no. (laughs) Senior pastor, just asking me to do really something really simple, like pray out loud in a newcomer's class. And he just stared me down, like, and it was like, no, just open us up in prayer. And again, I said no. And he wouldn't budge, okay? He would not move on. And so for the first time in my life, um, as a believer, I open up our newcomer's class in prayer. I have no idea what I said or whatever, but that but, you know, sometimes things that are seemingly simple in our life really spark something so much deeper. What That might seem like a, like a simple, crazy story to you, but it, it ignited something in me. Um, someone gave me the authority and permission to step out in the place of prayer, and it changed my life forever. Um, from that moment on, my church, I'm so grateful to have been a part of a church that did local uh, prayer meetings. I went to a prayer meeting every Monday night at my church, and I um, kind of was adopted by a spiritual grandmother in that time. She's gone to be with Jesus since then, um, but her name was Cleta, and Cleta was a prayer warrior. She was at every prayer meeting. She prayed over me all the time. Um, she just knew Jesus. She had a, a deep and intimate relationship with the Father, um, a companionship with God that I just greatly admired and have just always been very inspired by, and so that's kind of just my kickoff story to prayer. <laughs> um, that's what; those are just a couple marker moments uh, where God really, really changed my life. And so, I'm hoping that this weekend, um, as we come in expectant, as we come in with the confidence that God has already affirmed us and loves us, desires to be with us and share His heart with us, um, God will will um, impart to you some marker moments as well. Um, so, this is not your <laughs> typical. <laughs> probably kick off to a three-day prayer, (laughs) Um, but I am expectant that God wants to do something deep in our hearts this morning, um, kicking us off into the next 72 hours. There's a maturity that God wants to bring to the table that I'm really excited to partner with the Holy Spirit with and with you to kind of dive after together. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, um, and then we're going to turn to Matthew 4. So if you guys will will join me praying. Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that your presence is already here, Lord God. We thank you that um, with any great, uh, powerful um, pouring out of anointing as you are doing this weekend, the enemy is right around the corner uh, ready. But God, we just say that we serve the victorious God. We serve the one whose face shines like the sun with fire in his eyes and the sword of the spirit ready to conquer the enemy. And that's who we follow this morning, Jesus. And we just thank you that your desire is to be with us and to teach us, give us wisdom and knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ this morning. And and God, I just say and ask that, God, would you open our eyes and ears to see what you're doing in this, in this season? God, would you take us to the deeper places this weekend, not just the, the cool and powerful moments, which we are expectant of, but the, the deeper consecration to who you are in our companionship with you, Jesus. God, we give you glory and honor this morning. We say, have your way, um, and ultimately, we, we love you. We worship you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. And so, all right, so we're at Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Um, can't promise you how long this is going to be, so buckle up. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, before uh, we read our passage in Matthew 4, I'm just going to paint a picture for you of what happens in the previous chapter of Matthew, Matthew 3. Um, we see in Matthew 3, Jesus is revealed as the Son of God for the first time. He's 30 years old. Um, he shows up at the Jordan River where John the Baptist is baptizing people into a baptism of repentance and water. Um, John, he is a prophet, a future disciple, and he's, he's, he's the one, a uh, voice calling out for, for people to repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus. Um, and Jesus is near. He rolls up on the scene. John, baptize me. John's like, I'm unworthy. Jesus is like, no, you have to do this. And so Jesus gets baptized um, in the Jordan River. And what's so cool about this moment is this beautiful moment. I just imagine the, the Jordan River and, you know, every right by a, a river, like things are flourishing and beautiful. And um, this this prolific moment in history. Jesus is baptized and, and the Father in heaven, his voice booms down. And he's like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, God's saying that to you this morning, but can you imagine for the first time in history, God is, is, is saying this. He's affirming Jesus as his son, and he's already pleased with Jesus. And Jesus has done no ministry as the Messiah at this point, right? He's just been Jesus, my neighbor, Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, Jesus, the carpenter. Like he has not been named as Jesus, the Messiah yet, but this moment God affirms him as such. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus like a dove and empowers him. Um, and in, in, in this moment, is just incredible and kicks up. He, I just imagine Jesus probably had like long hair, you know, coming up out of the waters, um, being baptized. And he, and he probably feels so loved in this moment. He's affirmed by his heavenly father. Um, the Holy Spirit has just empowered him. And um, things are, are rolling this moment he's been waiting for probably his whole life God's been preparing him for. We see Jesus step into this. Um, but then we go into our passage, Matthew 4. <laughs> so um, after this, this beautiful moment, we get into Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And I'm going to read this, the scripture for us here. Um, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. <laughs> After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, I just love that, you know, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is, we could literally do like 20 sermons on this passage. There's so much 
richness in what God um, has been has um, told us through Matthew. But um, one thing I really want you guys to walk away with this weekend is this unexpected preparation that God leads Jesus into. Um, and how he did not only do that with Jesus, but he will do that with us. But there is hope. Um, so we see the next, so we just read our passage. and we, So the next move God makes is the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. Come on, the Spirit. Um, for 40 days and 40 nights to fast and pray. And Jesus did not go, and so Jesus didn't go in his own prompting. It doesn't say Jesus just felt like it. It said the Spirit. God himself led Jesus into the wilderness. Well, don't you know he will do it? Um, in our passage, Jesus just stepped out of the cool and refreshing waters of the Jordan into the Judean desert. No one wanted to go here. Desert in this context is translated from a Greek word meaning abandonment of a person, <laughs> cause or place. We don't always imagine our obedience will lead us to the desert. This was Jesus's obedience to follow the spirit of God into the desert. We would much rather it lead us to happy, healthy, powerful, and abundant places like the Jordan. <laughs> but in this case, we see our Lord's obedience to the Father lead him into a rough and barren landscape with very few passerbys. There's no one out there, okay? He is alone. No food, no water, and Satan is right around the corner ready to pounce. Truly not the circumstances we hope to find ourselves in, in the peak of a ministry moment. Jesus had just had the peak ministry moment of his life, and then this is where the Spirit leads him. Notably, um, again, God's Spirit is leading him into the wilderness. Um, we don't expect hardship to surround obedience or anointing or calling or walking with God. Um, we kind of like to forget about that. But however, this process God uses shapes our character, just as he did with Jesus. We're going to see Jesus's character development um, in this moment. And so I'm going to guess for this weekend even, you're ready to just get into the action. You're like, I want to see people fall out. I want to see a healing. I want to see um, God, you know, do something crazy. And me too. Me, me too. Um, I'm coming in expectant for God to move this weekend. But what, what I don't want us, I don't want um, us to seek the, the power or the miracle of God more than God himself. I don't want that to happen to us. And so this is why I feel like this message is like low-key, a little bit of like a prophetic like warning, like an alert. And so that's why I kind of said it wasn't quite what we would have expected. You know, we're ready for Jesus to heal sick, raise the dead, make wine to water. Maybe not in this room because of your leadership contracts, but... <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Um, Life-impacting sermons. Um, you're not wanting the account of the wilderness this weekend, but that might be what God chooses to do. Um, there is even an ex... Um, oh, sorry. Um, we don't want to miss out on God. what God wants to do to prepare us in this place of prayer and fasting. Um, we want to embrace all that he has this weekend even from the perspective of the Jewish people at this time. 
So the land was ruled by the Romans, and the, and the Jews were expecting the Messiah to become this, like, valiant military leader, you know, going to take down the Romans. They wanted to see another prophet like Moses lead the, the people of Israel out of slavery and away from Pharaoh. They wanted to see another um, move. Uh, they wanted to go back to their glory days, like their, their King David. Um, they, they really esteemed King David, and they wanted, to, they, they wanted to go back to that. But they were never guessing that Jesus, their Messiah, would go to the wilderness. And I love that God does that. He doesn't do what we expect all the time. Um, The process of facing temptation, overcoming Satan, and ultimately being developed by the Father and knowing his heart more fully is fueled by prayer and fasting. Um, For our purposes, just this this weekend, if maybe you're like, prayer and fasting, I hear this word all the time, what does that mean? I'm thinking of prayer as like a spiritual communion with God. I'm thinking of prayer as worship, supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, confession, repentance. I'm thinking prayer is powerful and effective according to the scripture. I'm thinking prayer is a way for us to communicate with God and interact with God um, and the Holy Spirit to come into alignment with God's heart and to know the Father. I'm thinking of fasting as a voluntary choice to um, strip ourselves of the physical, like a, like um, often that means food, stripping ourselves of the necessity of food to be filled by the Spirit, to be filled in the spiritual, um, which, um, so that's kind of like the framework I'm, I'm working with, and that's what's that's happening to Jesus. He's, he doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and, and that's not me telling you, like, don't eat for the next three days. I'm just giving you context of, of what's happening in this passage. Um, and, and we see God use this concept of fasting and prayer a ton. And this is why it's kind of like so prolific in this moment, because the people, um, Jewish people at this time would be like, whoa, this is like when Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he wrote the Ten Commandments. There was this preparatory work, prayer and fasting, and then we get Ten Commandments. Um, we see this in the life of a prophet named Elijah um, for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain of Horeb. Um, uh, at, right after this, God reveals himself to Elijah in a mighty way, and then he goes and anoints two kings. So they would have been familiar with these stories and this idea of 40 days and 40 nights, prayer and fasting. They all kind of would have been on the edge of their seats like, what is God doing? Um, and um, with that, you know, what is God doing? We have some thoughts too. We often think that the power of the power of God um, when thinking of prayer and fasting, um, but we might miss considering the preparation. You know, when we think of Jesus, we do think of the power of God, healing the sick, raising the dead, performing miracles. But we might not think of this moment in the wilderness that Jesus um, was prepared in. Um, the desert was a moment of preparation for Jesus. Um, embracing the preparation, embracing a lifestyle of prayer and fasting actually fortifies us. It builds us up to keep living for God um, and with God throughout our entire life. And so this weekend, I didn't want to just bring you a message that would make you feel really good this weekend. I wanted to give you some substance to use for your whole whole entire life, the prep work of living with and for God. Um, Also this moment too, like we see, and I think this is kind of powerful to recognize and why this word of preparedness is important. The, like, we don't really, 
have much of an account of Jesus's life before this, but we don't, we, we're not reading stories of like when Jesus was 15 years old, the, the devil was tempting him and came after him. We see when Jesus was affirmed by the Father as the beloved son and anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, Satan's right around the corner ready to pounce, kill, seek, and destroy. Um, so when, like weekends like this, when the power of God is released, when the anointing of God is released, we have to be on alert because the enemy wants to destroy that. So I just want to put that on your radar as you're, as you're walking through this weekend. That might not be something you're expecting, but I want you to expect it. Um, and we see clearly through our passage, God allows us to be tested. We don't want to think that, but the scripture says so, so it happens. <laughs> Jesus himself, I read this, was testable because he's fully man, fully God, and he was tested in the wilderness. So if Jesus was testable, we really are testable. Jesus was capable of enduring trials. We are capable of enduring trials. He suffered during the 40 days and 40 nights. God will use trials and suffering in our life to shape us and bring us closer to the Father. He uses these desert places for many things. Character development, discipline, to humble us. Humble us. To expose our hearts, to see if we will depend on him, and see if we will keep his commands. I imagine each of us have probably faced a trial or temptation at this point. And maybe you're thinking about how that trial shaped your character. Um, how did it bring you into a greater understanding of God? And what would have changed in that if you had had a regular rhythm of prayer and fasting in your life? Maybe you did, and you're looking for a deeper consecration of that. Maybe you never have, and you're like, whoa, that would have changed some things. Um. Something that we see Jesus doing is we see him living in response to the Father through prayer and fasting. Cool. Um, we see the art of the tempter in these verses. Um, not that I, ne- I want to call the devil's temptation art, but it, he tries to display it as, as that. His temptations are adapted to time and circumstance. He's playing exactly on what's going on with Jesus. Jesus is tired. He's weary. He's hungry. And and that's very reasonable. Um, They were, he's applicable. You know, he will play on weakness in our life. He will play on struggle in our life. Um, His temptations had the appearance of much religiosity. They were backed by passages of scripture misapplied, but still artfully presented. Um, They were all the temptations that Adam and Eve faced in the garden in Genesis, which led to the ultimate fall of humanity, why we even needed Jesus in the first place. Isn't that kind of crazy? The ultimate, like, moment of sin in in all of history, Adam and Eve falling, and and that creates um, distance between us and God. God's bringing back to this moment through Jesus. It's pretty, pretty prolific. Um, one of the things I was reading as I was kind of like preparing and studying is it was one teacher, his name's Mike Bickle, one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time. He was saying that this was one of the most monumental moments of history aside from the, the um, resurrection of Christ, crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Um, in every response to temptation, Jesus stands on the word of God as his promise and hope. And he was prepared with that to fight the devil's temptations. 
Are we prepared to engage in battling temptation? It's a good question to ask yourself even this weekend as you're praying and fasting and pressing into God. Are you prepared? He combated Satan, anchoring himself first by looking to God in his word. So he anchored himself. This is who God is. This is what God's word said. And then Jesus makes a definite choice that renders each temptation of Satan ineffective. So Jesus, the, the, Satan tempts Jesus. He looks to the Father. He looks to his word. He makes a choice, applies that, and renders Satan ineffective. Bill Johnson, who is great, um, says this, a quote of his. He says, I can't afford to live in reaction to darkness. If I do, darkness has a role in setting the agenda for my life. The devil is not worthy of such influence, even in the negative. Jesus lived in response to the Father. I must learn to do the same. At this point, you're probably seeing there's some so there's, some, there's a model going on here. <laughs> um, even the scriptures tell us to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them in Ephesians 5, 11. We see Jesus doing this um, throughout each temptation that he walks through. And so how do we live in response to the Father and expose darkness? You probably can guess at this point. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is not just a means to get God's anointing and power. It is the deeper work that draws us near to God so that we would know him more clearly, rightfully, and fully. That way, when tempted, we are not reacting to temptation. We already have the upper hand. Jesus had the upper hand. He knew the Father. He knew the Word. He was ready. Are you ready Are we prepared? Jesus is able to live in response to the Father and not the temptations of Satan because of those two things we mentioned. He anchors himself in God and God's word, and he makes a choice to not act on the temptation. Remember, every God God, um, does not tempt us. Satan tempts us, but God will allow us into testing, and you have to make a choice when tempted. In In the process in which the power of God. This is the process in which the power of God is sustained in our lives. We don't want just three days of revival, although I cannot more clearly say this. I'll say this every time. I want amazing and powerful things to happen this weekend. This is my favorite weekend of the entire year. Everything we do, nothing compares to it but this for me. But, um, like, I don't want you to just be ready and excited for a weekend because God is going to do stuff in your life this weekend. God is going to set our community free from demonic strongholds. The Lord is going to release his anointing and power on people. He's going to release spiritual giftings over people, the power of his spirit. The Lord is going to do that in our community this weekend to equip us to live for him and fight the kingdom of darkness that is trying to roll and reign at Virginia Tech. But if you just come in ready for just this one weekend, what does next Monday look like? So I want you to be more prepared than just for three days. I want you to be prepared for your life because this doesn't stop. (laughs) Um, Because the enemy is always trying to destroy the work of God. Um, We want a lifetime of faithfully following and being obedient and obediently partnering with God. 
We want a flame in our hearts that does not dwindle, but is fueled by a life devoted to prayer and fasting. We want to be anchored like Jesus um, and make choices from a place of a healthy foundation in Christ and not reaction to the temptation we are facing. We We want, when placed under trial, for our true colors to show in the good fruit of God. I'm so grateful that when Jesus was placed under temptation and trial, the fruit and character of our Lord was exposed. And it was, and literally, he walked away sinless from this moment so he could be the final atonement for our sin and shame. And so, you guys are probably kind of taking note that there is a significant model that's taking place here. We see the affirmation of the Father. We see the empowerment of the Spirit. We see the Word of God to combat the devil. And we see prayer and fasting. I'm not going to get into, like, the three temptations too deeply because, like I said, we could, like, literally, we could just do a sermon on each of those. But um, they're the same temptations that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. They're the same temptations that you and I face today. Like, Satan has not gotten creative over the centuries. They're character issues that he plays on. It's, it's, it's not necessarily like the specific thing, but it's what he's doing to, to expose like character and, and, and point at that. Desire of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It was pivotal for Jesus to overcome all these temptations as a man, to be the sacrifice for our sin uh, when Jesus went to the cross. And, and so think about this. Jesus came fully man and fully God. This totally blows my mind. In Jesus's deity, Jesus at this point knows, I'm the beloved son of God. He could have whipped Satan right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's like my like South Florida or my North Florida country coming out. He could have whooped Satan right there. But like in his deity, he could have just been like, Meow. however, Greater principle, greater principle to be had here. In his deity, Jesus could have done all the things Satan tempted him to do, but he only does and says as the Father does. By not drawing on his deity, he puts his full dependence on the Father. The scripture says this in John 5, 19, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Thank you, God. Jesus has this sincere companionship with the Father. It would, it would be really remiss of me to like um, share about the temptation of Jesus without talking about the companionship that Jesus has with the Father Um, And that compelled him to obedience. God was his compass. The Father was Jesus' sole point of reference in this moment. Jesus could have been distracted by the scenery around him. He could have been distracted by the desert, by no water, by no people. He, He could have gotten his eyes off of God, but he let God lead him. There was trust, there was love, and there was affirmation. And we have to remember that in the face of trial, that we too have that with the Father. We even see God's care and companionship over Christ afterwards. He sends ministering angels to Jesus to attend to him. He cares for us in the same way. And and, and it's a continued 
of, a, of continued importance to remember this, or else he's just making Jesus suffer. Like, if there's no love, if there's no affirmation, if there's no companionship, if there's no desire to build deeper character so Jesus would be who he really was always meant to be, it would just be, like, really cruel of God. But God is not cruel. He is not cruel. We cannot think of God as cruel in the face of trial and, and temptation. We have to think of him as the loving father who has a greater plan for us. It's much deeper, and it's much more formative. For in, in this moment led to this scripture, Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. It's another model that Jesus sets for us. Jesus was tempted in every way. Maybe not your specific thing, but in, in the same category, and he did not sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have um, the opportunity, one, to, for Jesus to empathize with us, thank you, Lord, but also to overcome sin, too. In this, um, I thought it was really interesting kind of looking up exactly what temptation is, a verb meaning to examine or test to learn another's true nature or character, try to trap or attempt to catch in a mistake, to reveal weakness within you. This is, this is what Satan was doing when he was trying to, te- to tempt Jesus. He was trying to expose Jesus, trying to reveal weakness within Jesus, push on the weakness, his body. Jesus is a man. He was weak in that moment. He was hungry. He was tired. He's been in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And um, I was also reading, like, someone else was also teaching on this passage, and they were saying that, like, this wasn't the only time, like, Satan was coming after Jesus in the 40 days and 40 nights. This was just kind of, like, the, the head point of it that, that Scripture tells us. But for 40 days and 40 nights, like, Satan's coming at Jesus. Um, and again, it's important to remember, God led Jesus into testing. He let Jesus be tested but Satan is the one who tempts. God does not tempt us. Please do not walk away <laughs> from this message thinking that. Um, but it's vital to remember in trials and, tempta- trials and temptations are not the real enemy here. Satan is our enemy. And valuing our fragile surroundings more than God's faithful friendship and presence is also our enemy. It is God's spirit that led us into trying, it's God's spirit that can lead us into trying places is there really any other place we would rather be? Not that I'm like signing up for a trial today, <laughs> but if it's led by the Spirit of God, I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else but in the center of God's will, and I'm willing to go there because Jesus has already set an example of what this looks like, and I'm willing to do that too. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 says, Beloved, don't you just love this? Beloved. That's what the Father calls Jesus. 
And that's what we're called to. We're addressed as beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to us. <laughs> I love that. Like, why? This is so strange. I'm, I'm going under this trial. <laughs> the scripture's like, it's not strange. Um, <laughs> but rejoice as you share Christ in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. That's so powerful. Like, at the end of all of this, um, we see the glory of God revealed in Jesus because he overcame sin. The same thing happens to us when we surrender and yield to the hard places, to the desert places. Um, and so, I, again, I want us to understand that this is not just like a good account of Jesus's life. It's not just a moment for Jesus only. Like, it's easy to look at this passage and go, well, of course, he was Jesus. But that's not... Um, what God desires for us. He is showing us here a model to live by. We can do this. Jesus did this, so we can do this. He was secure in his identity as the beloved son. He was empowered by the spirit, and he used the power of God's word to defeat Satan's temptations. He prayed and he fasted. He embraced the trial. We can do this too. Um, it's a model of maturity. It's a model that removes our focus on fame, on accolades, on mighty miracles, on cheering crowds, on powerful titles, and on dependence of self. It fixates us on God and what he is trying to say and do. It's a model that illuminates the need for companionship with the Father. It's a model of decrease. Scripture tells us that we will face trials, and they're just that, trying. They reduce us and force us to wrestle with what we truly value and what we truly believe. An exhausting process that is necessary to develop us and draw us closer to Jesus. Do we value Christ above all else? Or, uh, like, do we, do we value Christ above all things and then we know from that everything else will come? Or are we valuing, like, more of the shadow of Christ, like, just the, the power and the miracles, but not him himself? Um, are we valuing our comfort more than obedience? I'm really grateful that Jesus valued obedience over comfort, because he could have turned himself right back around and gone back to the comfort of the Jordan, the comfort of his home, of his family, of his community that he had known for 30 years of his life. But he did the uncomfortable thing instead. I'm so grateful to Jesus for that. When, we, when I see Jesus put on flesh, because he was God who came down and put on flesh in the man Jesus, and models something that can be done, it sets a standard that compels me to say yes to the Father. He said yes to, following, uh, to, to follow the Spirit into the wilderness. He said yes to endure 40 days and nights of fasting. He said yes to saying no to the devil, and to Satan's temptations. We have weak and frail frames. This is the reality of our humanity. These bodies are broken. They are not eternal. Um, but this can't be our focus, okay? If, if it was Jesus's focus, he would have given in to the first temptation um, because he wouldn't have been able to stop thinking about food. 
If this was Jesus' focus, he would have failed. If he would have just focused on the fragility of humanity. However, through prayer and fasting, he had strength in the spirit. He looked beyond his human fragility and looked to the Father. And we must also do this as we pray this weekend. This weekend, your focus must be on the Father. Not your own fragility, not your own whatever. It needs on the Father, on Jesus himself. He'll take care of you. God took care of Jesus. Ministering angels came, fed him, strengthened him, ministered to him. God will take care of you if you press in this way. You don't have to worry about that, but you just have to be willing. This was not, and also to remember, this is not chapter one of Jesus's life. This was chapter 30. I really resonate with this because I'm turning 29 in two weeks. (laughs) So I'm like staring down this moment (laughs) of chapter 30 in a year. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, And just let me be real for a second. When you hit 30 years old, you might have expected some things to happen in your life that might not have. But you're still in the preparatory season where God loves you and affirms of you and is not worried about what he's releasing you into, but he's worried about you. And he's worried about your development with him. I think, like, in our 20s, we, like, really are after, like, what's next? What am I called to? Like, who am I? What am I going to do for God? But God was more more, um, concerned with Jesus' character development than anything else, and God knew he'd take care of the rest. Bit. So anyway, this is chapter 30 of Jesus. The majority of Jesus's life is undocumented, but his response under trial and temptation gives us a window into the many years before this in the decisions and the character development of Jesus. So it's not like Jesus just developed all this character in one moment. For 30 years, he lived a life consecrated to this. It wasn't just one weekend where Satan decided to roll up on the scene and and tempt him. 30 years of development with the Father. The decisions of yesterday will inform our responses today, and our foundation matters. If Jesus had a cracked foundation, he would have failed, but his foundation is firm. Under the heavy weight of temptation, he is victorious against the enemy. The choices we make in the place of trial today are greatly the fruit of choices we have made in our yesterdays. And you're going to get the opportunity to make some choices this weekend. You're going to choose, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to go to this prayer meeting and seek God. Um, You're going to choose to to receive God and what he's speaking and saying to you. You have some choices to make. You uncomfortably trying to invite your life group to this. You're going to have to make the choice to be uncomfortable and feel awkward and be like, come to this prayer meeting. It's going to be awesome, you know, and put yourself out there. You have some choices to make this weekend, some choices of humility, some choices of pressing in. Um, When you are put under pressure, um, the choices you make will, will reveal your foundation. And maybe you might have some cracks in your foundation that God is pressing on and revealing. I'm glad he's like the ultimate cement that can fill them in by the power of his spirit, but they have to be revealed first to let him do that. So we've kind of, we've looked at this model um, uh, that Jesus presents for us, and we, we, we've been talking about temptation and the enemy coming at us and Jesus' relationship to the Father, and 
And I don't know, maybe you're still here like, Sam, why are you preaching on this on a three-day prayer weekend? Um, well, I believe that this weekend um, of prayer and, and fasting, because some of, some of us are probably fasting through the weekend too. We don't want to ignore fasting and, and just talk about prayer. They, they live together. Um, but prayer and fasting keeps you ready and steady in the power of God, not just unleashing it. So I'm not going at this weekend just like, I'm going to release the power of God, you know, which God will release his own power. He's so good. He'll just do it. But I'm not like living like for that moment. I'm living to live a life to be ready and steady in God and to be sustained in it for a life. I want this weekend to prepare me. Lord, use this weekend. Mark me. Prepare me. So I can not just live in three days, but I can live the next 30 years of my life. And we can see this in Matthew 4. Through each temptation, Jesus stood firm and steady in God's truth. After the temptation of Jesus, he even had, again, we see ministering angels come to him, strengthen him. This probably brought great comfort to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty comforted if some angels showed up right now and started ministering to me. <laughs> Which... They might. I don't know. I'm open. But, um, um, but it just probably brought him great comfort, great joy. It strengthened him to move forward. From, what, um, from that moment, Jesus moves forward. In the next um, chapter of the book of Matthew, we see Jesus go into his preaching ministry. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount. I imagine this moment had a lot to do in preparing him for that moment, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, we, and again, like we often want to use prayer and fasting. Like, I don't know, maybe you've done this. I don't know. I've probably done this. We often want to use prayer and fasting as a means to unleash the power of God. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to fast this week. I'm going to pray because I want to see this happen, which is whatever. (laughs) It's not, it's not about that. But, um, but that's not completely untrue. Like prayer and fasting is very powerful. The Bible says prayer and fasting is powerful and affecting, effective. Um, so it's not completely untrue, but the reality is, is that fasting and praying prepares us to walk in God's spirit empowerment for the long haul. And, and, that, and that's really important as we look at this weekend is the long haul. The long, the short vision for your life is the next three days. The long vision for your life is the next 80 years. Um, and what are you preparing for? What are you pressing, pressing into? Also, too, a few things, like some questions to ask yourself in preparedness. You know, are you anticipating that the enemy will attack you as you walk out in the power of God? Or are you just kind of like, there's no way he will do that? Well, he did it to Jesus. He'll do it to you. And are you going to follow this model to be ready? Are you coming prepared through a lifestyle of prayer and fasting? Is that a part of who you are or who you want to be? Are you ready and steady? And if you're not, let's start today. Let's start this weekend. God, mark me. Make this a starting point in my life this weekend that I would be a person consecrated to prayer and fasting to you, Jesus, to live this way. It's just basic life maintenance. (laughs) Um, and here are a few practical things that you can do. So if you, if you haven't pulled out a journal this whole time, pull one out now <laughs> or your phone. It says going, uh, going forward from this moment, let God help you make a plan. 
make a plan. God had a plan for Jesus in this moment. This was not just some happenstance. This was, this was like prophetic, like, like Jesus, like God had been prophesying through the prophets of Israel that Jesus would come for years and years and years and years. That he was planning this. You need to have a plan too. You need to make a plan for regular prayer and fasting in your life. Like, that you would do this regularly. <laughs> um, you could pick a specific time of day that um, you are abiding with God and praying to him and praying with him. Because um, remember, not just praying to God, we pray with God. Um, and if you're unsure how, there's some great places to start. Pray scripture. God already, if, I, sometimes I used to worry about this. Like I was telling you about that story before where my pastor like made me pray. I was really worried about what other people would think I would sound like in that moment, which really doesn't matter. But if you're, if you're worried you're going to say the wrong thing, pray scripture. Scripture is never the wrong thing. <laughs> it's the invaluable word of God. Truthful, he wrote it, he affirmed it. It's, it's good to go. Pray scripture. Um, just talk to God. Hey, Jesus, what's up? Sam, here in your nose. I want to talk to you. Also, too, there um, is a passage later on in Matthew, Matthew 6, where he provides a model of prayer. Kind of all heard the one, our Father who art in heaven. So that's this, this model, not necessarily those words specifically, but a model for us to pray to the Father. Choose a specific time in your week to fast. Hey, on Wednesdays in the afternoon, I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to skip lunch that day. I'm going to fast and pray. Also, too, I know some of us have an interesting relationship uh, with food or with health, and that's okay. Um, Jesus can work around that. So don't, like, if you have a health thing and you're like, well, Sam told me to, like, not eat for 40 days and 40 nights, don't do that. Okay? I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> told you to work it out with God <laughs> and your needs <laughs> and what you need specifically um, <laughs> to pray and fast throughout the week. Um, but make a plan, because if you don't make a plan, Michelle talks with the staff team about this all the time. You will probably, if you have been discipled by us, you know we all have like a, a passion planner or, or something that looks like a passion planner. And if we don't make the plan, we don't do it. So make a plan or you won't do it. Um, make a plan, because the enemy will even tempt you in that, even in, in trying to make your plan. Just spend time with God. He's like, around the corner because he knows, oh my gosh, if this person prays and fasts, like the kingdom of light will advance and the kingdom of darkness will recede. And so he's going to try to make that not happen. So you make your plan with God. Um, and, and, this, and, and what's awesome about this is Jesus in this passage shows us access. We have access to the Father um, because of the work Jesus did on the cross. We see another example in the life of Jesus where he presses into the place of prayer to prepare for what is to come. Jesus is in Luke 22. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mount of Olives, and, he, and he's about to go to the crucifixion. Jesus knows that the hour is here. Um, our Lord, our Messiah, our Jesus, he's about to, to be ratted out by one of his disciples and taken to the cross. And, and so Jesus goes and he prays. Because he knew, I can't do this without connecting with my father. 
And he goes and he prays. He's literally like, he's emotional. He's sweating blood. Ugh, never sweat blood before. Sounds horrible. <laughs> and he's basically like, Lord, I don't want to do this, but if it's your will, I'll do this. You know, and he's, he's praying. He's talking to the Father. He's crying out to the Father for the Father's will to be done. Even angels come and strengthen him in that moment, which is beautiful, um, and minister to him. And then from that moment, Jesus, he's prepared. He's empowered. And he goes forth um, to the, the most miraculous moment in history um, where um, he goes to the cross, he dies, and then he rose again three days later for the atonement of our sin to defeat sin, hell, and the grave so that we can have communion with God. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. And we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. We're at the conclusion. I don't know if the, the band is going to come, come up or not. We don't need the flashy music, but, you know, sounds cool. Um, <laughs> but, and, but again, another preparatory mo- moment, Jesus is led to his death, um, and he overcame. And this is our hope, guys. This is the gospel. This is the hope that we have. This is the communion we have with the Father for those of us who have said, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I will follow you all the days of my life and affirm who you are. Like, um, this gives us the ultimate access to pray this weekend, Without Jesus in the gospel and the work he did on the cross, we would have no access to pray to God this weekend, but we do because our Lord is victorious over Satan and temptation. Um, The Bible says that prayer is powerful and effective when the righteous pray. If you're in this room right now and you call Jesus Lord and you've given your life to him, commit to following him for the days of your life, you are the righteousness of Christ. And he has said, your prayers are powerful and effective. Who am I, Lord God, that you would say that? But thank you that you do. Um, and and we, because God empowers our prayers, they shift situations. They shift our families. They shift our cities. They shift our campus for the glory of God. They shift our own hearts. Man, if you did nothing prolific ever for God but he just changed your heart to know him for the rest of your life and all eternity and and that you shared that love with others in some form or fashion, that's enough. That's enough. And so so there's this reality that we get to embrace this weekend through the finished work of the cross, um, through who Jesus is, um, through the access that he's given us to the Father, um, to to really go at this together as a community. Um, and so, and to also too, like not just do this for three days, but to do this for a lifetime and to overcome temptation. Because remember, this weekend will be powerful. This weekend, um, the Lord is going to disp- deposit something in our community that will mark this campus for generations to come long after you and I are here. Um, and that's powerful, but we have to be ready to, to fight the enemy in that. We have to be ready to um, rely and depend on the Father. We have to be ready to use the Word as our weapon. We have to be ready to be willing to press into the uncomfortable, the place of prayer and fasting, to seek God together. Um, so I'm just going to give you guys some time um, to respond in this.
this. Um, and so that can look a lot of different ways for you in this place. You can come to the altar. You can be in your seat. Um, sometimes it helps me just to kind of move out of where I'm sitting. Just a change of physical posture um, shifts something in my heart and in my spirit with the Lord. But um, um, something I felt like the Lord put on my heart says, I, I, I wrote this down, you'll never grow, handle, or carry the power and anointing of God if you do not live a fasted and prayer, prayerful lifestyle. If you're unwilling to embrace the desert, you will never develop the character God requires to carry out his plans and purpose through you. Uh, between you and the Lord today, would you commit in walking in obedience and being led by his spirit no matter where, even if that means the desert, to go through the process of developing what God desires for you. This weekend might not be your power hour moment. I've had many prayer weekends and meetings where it was not, but I'm grateful that God was more invested in developing me as a daughter than just seeing me lay hands on someone and then be healed developing me as a child of God and affirming who I am before I had done a single thing and showing me who he is than any miracle I've ever seen. But are you too willing to commit to that? What are you after this weekend? Hopefully something deeper than what you came in expecting this morning. Will you commit today to living a fasted and prayerful lifestyle and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Praise God, we don't have to muster up this on our own. I didn't have to pull together all the strength of Sam to be someone who loves prayer and, and commits to fasting, but it was through the help of God's Spirit because he calls himself the helper. But would you let the Holy Spirit help you? Would you let this weekend be a shift in your life into a, a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. If that's you, if you'll say yes to that, if you'll go after that, no matter what it looks like, if you'll yield to the Father and let Him do the deep work of consecration that He desires to, um, I'm just going to in, invite you to pray at your seat, to come pray at the altar, to find a space around the room. Um, we're just going to have a time of response. And, and also, too, I, I never want to miss, like, that God is speaking to you specifically right now, maybe things that I haven't even quite said. And I want you to respond to that too. Sometimes we think we have to just respond to what I said, but I want you to respond to God right now. I want you to hear what he's saying to you. I want you to respond to the Father. And also too, um, something that I think was kind of pulling at my heart and my seat. So consecrating ourselves, committing to a prayer prayerful and fasted lifestyle no matter what it looks like are you willing to do that like literally this morning um, maybe there's something else God is speaking to you find a spot, go for it but also too, like the revelation of the Father's affirmation over you God this weekend is not just affirming you, like he's not even affirming you because you showed up to this service he's not like well I, like you now have my approval and affirmation because you came to a, a service at 11 a.m. on a Thursday. He just has affirmed you because you're his kid and he, and he loves you and he delights in you. Like maybe you just need to seek that. Maybe 
you just need the Lord to, to, to reveal to you his affirmation over you so you can, with the affirmation of the Father, the empowerment of the Spirit and the word in your heart, go after a prayer, prayerful and fasted lifestyle. So I'm going to pray and then you guys can move. prayer for anything. There's staff and interns around the room, your life group leaders, friends, um, and the Lord's in this place. Jesus, we love you, Lord God, and we just thank you, God, that because of who you are, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over us than anything the enemy could throw at us, Lord God, that we are affirmed by you and known by you, and we love you and know you back, Jesus. Lord God, I just ask that you would consecrate us this morning to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. God, that we would be willing to go to the desert places. We'd be willing to have the character development that you desire of us, Lord God. We're not just running after miracles, God, but we're running after the Father. Lord God, and this is something you've chosen to do in the life of your very own son. And that's the the thing that you decide to do in in our lives today, Jesus, as your kids. Jesus, we just welcome you to speak to our hearts. God, we welcome you to bring us to places of confession in this moment, of repentance in this moment. Lord God, we welcome you, Jesus, the voice of the Father from heaven. God, that you call us beloved. God, in in you desire to develop your beloved. <laughs> and we desire to surrender to that process. Lord God, we just open up this place for you to do what only you can do. Jesus, we just say that any even temptation of the enemy in this place right now, God, we're not amiss that the anointing and power of God is being released in this place. God, and that the enemy is even trying to tempt us in this moment. But God, we silence the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. They have no place here. They have no voice here. They fall on deaf ears in Jesus' name. And we only hear the voice of the Father. So, Jesus, we thank you, we love you, and we just welcome you. God, have your way. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.